Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello, faithful friend, and thank you for joining me, Pastor Visser of Covenant People's Church, located in beautiful downtown Brooks, Georgia, for our look into the sons of God. And, beloved, many times I get asked, what truly is the Son of God, and how can you back up the statement that you've made on many a Yahweh's Truth broadcast when you say that these sons of God are angels? Well, if you stay with me in this particular lecture, you will see that I'll be able to prove that. But one of the most important parts, at least in my opinion, in the historical narrative that we read about in Genesis, takes place in chapter 6. And it begins in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, of all that they chose. Now at first glance, that does not come out and say that these sons of God are angels per se. But what it is saying is that these same sons of God saw that the Adamite offspring, or the uh, quote-unquote daughters of men, were fair. A very important word when we consider the lineage of many of the Old Testament characters like David, who was considered to be white and ruddy and of fair countenance, and the same as said of Solomon and also Yahshua. And that was the reason why the original sons of God, or the angels, decided that they would fall. And they swore an oath to do as such. And I'll be proving that momentarily. But it came to pass at this point in Genesis chapter 6, in the historical narrative of our creation, that as the Adamites were being blessed and fulfilling the commandment that was given them of Yahweh God, that was to go forth and be fruitful and replenish the earth, well, the sons of God saw that the Adamites were fair, the daughters, and they took wives of all that they chose. Now, perhaps you know this narrative because it does lead up to the deluge, or the flood that comes in upon the world of the ungodly, because the offspring of these unholy unions are to be considered watchers, or we could just say the Nephilim, those that were fallen. Now, in order to truly establish what I'm saying about these sons of God, here in Genesis chapter 6, let me establish a few facts. 
In the Old Testament book of Job, which many theologians feel is one of the oldest books in all of canon, we are told in the 38th chapter of the same sons of God. And the first 37 chapters before this are Job's dealing with men who come in and they tell him this and he has to stand true to Yahweh God. Perhaps you know the account. And finally, it is Yahweh God who comes in and will answer Job and all of his questions and technically your questions as well, dear kinsfolk. And that is why in Job chapter 38 verse 1, it says, Then... Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Stopping right there in verse 2. Everything that comes before, while valid and having usage, are the opinions of men. So we must be very careful when quoting their opinions, because it is at this point in the book of Job where Yahweh answers Job. And he says, Who is this that darkens counsel, that clouds your understanding? And then, Yahweh God proceeds to ask Job numerous questions here in the 38th chapter. For example, in verse 4, he says, Where wast thou, speaking to Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Question. Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or, who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or, who laid the cornerstone thereof? Pay close attention. Job chapter 38, verse 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, another question. And so, right there, based on verse 7, in the 38th chapter of Job, we know two things. One is that the sons of God are also considered to be morning stars. And I have written a book titled just this, The Morning Stars, and preached numerous sermons on this aspect. But if the sons of God are also the same exact morning stars that sang together, and they all shouted for joy. That and that alone already proves that they are angels. We don't have to go very deep into proving this within the book of Job. These were angels, and of course Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 also established that. But if you turn with me to the very first chapter in the same exact book of Job, in Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan came also among them. And so, if Job is one of the oldest books in all of canon, this would predate even the Garden of Eden as a Hebrew parable. But also, understand that Satan is considered to be a son of God. And I also wrote a book on Satan, titled Sataniel. But this is one of the first mentions of Satan by name. And notice that in verse 7, Yahweh said unto Satan, the same Son of God, 
Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, or Yahweh God, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And Yahweh God said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? And so, understand that, because momentarily we're about to get to the book of Enoch. And at least how Enoch transcribes the same event that we're looking at in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And I want to establish that the sons of God are angels. Now, there's much discussion and many books written on the subject as to what angels are, whether they have wings, what they look like, what they do. But the reality of it, at least scripturally, is angels are the one who usually come and they are messengers. It was angels who were sent to warn the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, more specifically, at least Lot. And thus, angel or angelos, in the Greek at least, means a messenger. A messenger. That does not disannul the fact that these are angels. So, without looking too much at what angels are, let's turn back to Genesis chapter 6 and read the narrative. And it came to pass, when men, or Adamites, began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, or angels, saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took wives of all which they chose. And Yahweh said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. Verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bear children unto them. The same became mighty men which were of old, of renown. Now, this word giants in the Hebrew is a misfortunate and importunate translation in my estimation. And the reason for that is how they were able to get giants as a translation from Nephil, or the fallen, or Nephilim, in short, which is what the word means in Hebrew, is beyond me. But in the Hebrew, it means Nephilim, and it means a bully, a tyrant, and a giant. It's used only here and also in Numbers chapter 13. But understand, these were unholy unions, and Yahweh God forbid them. If the sons of God in the context of Genesis chapter 6 were just mere men or messengers, as many delusional men like to espouse, then why would Yahweh God forbid such unions? Especially when His commandment, a mere two chapters before, is go forth, be fruitful, and replenish the earth. So again, we're not going to look too deep into what angels are and what powers that they possess, but understand, angels are considered morning stars. Thus, they existed before you and I. That's an undeniable fact. Because Yahweh God asked Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world or stretched the line upon it? 
All of the morning stars or the sons of God were there with Yahweh. Point one. Point two is this. Satan also is the son of God. This is very important. Because there are hints of his fall in the book of Revelation. Yahshua would say, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Considering that no man hath seen heaven at any time. This Satan, or Hasatan, or adversary that Yahshua references in the Gospels, cannot be a mere man. Thus he is a son of God. And when those sons of God saw the daughters of the Adamites, that they were fair, they sought to defile the bloodline. There is no new thing under the sun. What happens? Well, verse 5 provides that answer. And God, Elohim, not Yahweh, right here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man or the Adamites was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does that remind you of an era that you live in? Where the thoughts of men, kind, in general, are only evil continually. Whether it is for the strive of making money or stepping on people that particular individuals feel are lesser than they. Well, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts in his heart was only evil continually. What's being said here? What's being said here is that nothing will be restrained from them. Ha! Anything goes. And thus it stands in this era as well. And so, not being a date setter, it was Yahshua in flesh form who said, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be at the return of the Son of Man. He also mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. But verse 5 says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. What happens? Verse 6, And it repented Yahweh God that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. This will be the second point. Understand, Yahweh God has a heart, and that heart can be broken. Just like you have a heart, who was created in the image of God, Thus it stands. The emotions that you feel from jealousy to anger to love are all mirrored in our Creator. So never neglect that. Many people think that Yahweh God is just an arbitrator and He does not have the ability to show emotion. But yet He sure shows emotion here in verse 6, chapter 6 in Genesis. It repented Yahweh God that He had even made man on the earth. What on earth are we doing, going around with our head in the clouds, understanding that it even repented Yahweh God to have created us. And the flood that will eventually be sent in to wipe out these Nephilim was an act of grace, an act of mercy. So, don't lose sight of that. It repented Yahweh God, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 7, And Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created, off the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. That is why Yahweh God destroyed them, because he was hurt. Do you understand why Yahweh God will also destroy, for example, the wicked tares, or the foolish builders, 
or many people who come in and they profess his name outwardly, but they deny him. Can you imagine how much that truly hurts our Heavenly Father? Now, you know this narrative in Genesis chapter 6. Because most Sunday schools will teach you this. And if you do not have any Christian background, surely you're familiar with the Nephilim, who ultimately became the Watchers, and their spirits became demons. And perhaps time allowing, we'll get to that. But here in Genesis chapter 6, the narrative continues. Grace is proposed already right here, verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh God. Grace, Yahweh God, extended grace to Noah. And we know the reason why. He was perfect within his genios, or his generations. He and his offspring, those aboard the ark, those eight perfect souls, had not mixed in with the fallen. This is extremely important, because here we're about to turn to Enoch. And we're going to look at this account of the sin of the angels, the fornication, and what caused Yahweh God to send the flood and destroy what he spent so much time in creating. Understand that Yahweh God has vested a lot of time and effort within his sheep or his servants that he sends. So how can you pleasure him? How can you do him homage? You can obey him. The sons of God, whatever they may be, were disobedient. They fell from grace. And notice that the sin is laid to the Adamites' charge. Not the angels. The angels, of course, are condemned. They are destroyed, and we're going to get to that momentarily. But he says, it repents me that I have created man. It repents Yahweh God because the thoughts of men, or Adamites, you and I, are evil continually. Not because the angels fell but because man and woman were willing to miscegenate with fallen angels. Very important when we get to the book of Revelation and we understand who draws a part of those stars of heaven, or even more so, in one of the clues of Yahshua, where he references his return and says that the sun will not give its light. Neither will the stars. What are those stars? Well, we already established that. The morning stars, according to Job chapter 38. The same exact morning stars, or sons of God, that were created, and this is confirmed and bore out elsewhere in Scripture, to praise Yahweh God continually, to praise Him, to play instruments and to sing and glorify Yahweh God, but... That's not what happened in Genesis chapter 6, is it? What happened in Genesis chapter 6 grieved Yahweh God, and it grieved him so much that he had wished that he had not created the Adamites. Now, grace is extended to Noah, and through Noah, and more specifically Shem, would come the ultimate Redeemer, Yahshua, would come the tribes of Israel much later, and also would come every Israelite and those of the Gen, the Gentiles, those that are lost to their identity, what Joshua would consider to be the lost sheep of the house of Israel, whom he came for. But in the book of Enoch, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, very simple, because when we read these accounts of the fall of the rebel angels, you turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, and there's the account, or the book of Enoch, chapter 6, 
verse 1. And you'll see that they're very similar. Enoch, chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels and the children of heaven saw and lusted after them and said one to another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men and beget us children. Stopping right there. Do you not see how similar these accounts are? And, in my opinion, Enoch should be canon. It should be accepted as a book on the same exact level as the 66 books that we hold. That, of course, is my opinion. But I can confirm that because Jude quotes Enoch and so also does Peter. And there are hints of Enochian quotes throughout many of the parables of Yahshua. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Many of you are familiar with Enoch, the writings of Enoch, because in the books and secrets of Enoch, Enoch details his tours of heaven. But I want you to look at the book of Enoch, chapter 21, because this confirms what I wrote within my book, and it also confirms that the morning stars are the sons of God. This is the second journey of Enoch into heaven, and his journey into the multi-layered facets of heaven, or at least the levels thereof, were given to him at the hands of angels. Those angels, of course, are named In chapter 20, verse 1 says, These are the names of the holy angels who watch. Uriel is one of the holy angels. He's over the world and over Tartarus. Raphael is also one of the holy angels. He's over the spirits of men. Raguel is also one of the holy angels, but he takes vengeance on the world of the luminaries. Michael, and you know him, he's in the Old Testament and the New He's one of the holy angels to wit, he that is set over the best part of mankind and over chaos. Perhaps that sheds light on why it is that Michael and Satan are continually at war with one another. But nonetheless, continuing on in verse 6 of Enoch chapter 20, Sarah Quiel, one of the holy angels who is set over the spirits and sin in the spirit, Gabriel, 
one of the holy angels who is over paradise, and the serpents, and the cherubim. Gabriel is he. The same exact Gabriel, or angel that appeared and bestowed upon Mary glad tidings, and told her, You shall conceive within your womb, and you shall bear a son. Call his name Emmanuel. Perhaps you understand why. Gabriel is one of the holy angels who's over paradise. A nice way of saying Eden. And the serpents. Oh, there was a serpent in Eden, was there not? But also the cherubim. And those cherubim were placed east of Eden to keep those fallen out. But anyway, there's one more. Ramiel, he's one of the holy angels, and he's whom God set over those who rise. So understand that, at least according to the Enochian literature, every angel has a name and every angel has a position. Thus, the angels do the will of God. They are his right and left arms. They are also, by the way, messengers. They are they who come in and give great messages. But in canon, we learn also of many rebellious angels or angels that fell. And if angels fall, there must be a punishment because we read in Genesis chapter 6 that it grieves Yahweh God to have created man and angel at his heart. And the answer for that, of course, is found in the book of Enoch chapter 21. Again, this is the second journey of Enoch. This is what he says. I proceeded to where things were chaotic, and I saw there something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly founded earth, but a place chaotic and horrible. And there I saw seven stars of the heaven bound together in it, like great mountains and a burning fire. What are these stars? Keep reading. Verse 4. Then I said, For what sin are they bound, and on what account have they been cast in hither? Enoch asks his angelic guides, the seven archangels that are giving him the tour. And he wants to know, what sin did they do? Why are they bound, and why have they been cast within this realm that is chaotic and horrible, right? Then said Uriel, one of the holy angels who was with me and was chief over them, and said, Enoch, why dost thou ask, and why art thou eager for truth? Well, we briefly covered that. Uriel is one of the holy angels, but he's over the world and Tartarus. <laughs> he controls that aspect of it. Though Uriel naturally would answer Enoch, would he not? Enoch's asking the question, why are these watchers here? What are they, and why are they considered to be angels? But here in the text, rendered as stars. Verse 6, Uriel's reply is this. These are the number of the stars of heaven which have transgressed the commandment of Yahweh God, and are bound here till ten thousand years, and the time entailed by their sins are consummated. Hmm, very interesting statement. Ten thousand years, right? Since the time of Enoch, do you think it's been about 10,000 years? Well, anybody good with math could probably make a good argument regarding that. But understand, they are wandering stars. They are reserved in darkness in this realm of chaos that is very horrible, according to Enoch. So, perhaps when you come to that in Jude, in Second Peter, when we learn about the wandering stars to whom it is reserved... The blackness of darkness forever, you understand who they are. For example, consider verse 7 here in the book of Enoch, chapter 21. And from thence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former. And I saw a horrible thing. 
a great fire there which burnt and blazed, and the place was a cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descending columns of fire. Neither its extent nor magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Then I said, How fearful is the place, and how terrible to look upon! This is Enoch's reply when he sees this realm. But notice, this is a realm of fire. Another place, as Enoch puts it, and it was more horrible than the former. The former was horrible because there was no heaven above or earth below. But this one was even worse than the one before. Because it was pure earth, columns of fire. Fire burning to the extent or the magnitude that Enoch couldn't even conjecture, quote-unquote. He couldn't guess. So understand this point as well. While many people debate what an angel is, many people will also debate over the reality of hell. But no, hell is a horrible place, according to Enoch and also the New Testament. That's what you need to know about hell. And it is usually always represented by eternal flame. Thus, in verse 8, Enoch says, How fearful is the place! How terrible to look upon! Verse 9, Then Uriel answered me, One of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? A nice way of saying, Enoch, why are you fearful? Why are you afraid or affrightened? Continuing on, And I answered, Because of this fearful place, and because of the spectacle of this pain. Realize that Joshua would say, Depart from me many times to unfaithful classes in his parables. And he would say, depart into a place of eternal torment or everlasting fire. Enoch is providing a second, third, fourth witness. Very valuable. He was afraid because the spectacle of the pain, eternal pain, understand it, final verse here in chapter 21. And he, Uriel, the archangel, said unto me, pay close attention, this place is the prison of the angels. And here they will be imprisoned forever. Enoch chapter 21 straightforwardly says that these were stars. Stars of heaven bound together within it. Mountains and burning fire. Once again, never neglect that aspect. Stars are important within scripture. But yet Yahshua would say, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Meaning that every jot, every tittle, and every word within your Bible, most assuredly, is what we live according to. So it shouldn't take me pointing out that the sons of God or the angels are the morning stars, because that's apparent from Scripture. You don't need me to tell you that the sun is representative of Yahshua, or the sun of righteousness. That the moon represents a lunar cycle, or lunacy. And also, a time of darkness. So, bear that in mind. And thank you for joining me this particular evening. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts, 
or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. But notice the similarities once again. Genesis chapter 6 verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wise of all they chose. Those are the first two verses in Genesis chapter 6. What are the first two verses in Enoch chapter 6? And it came to pass that when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said one to another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men and beget us children. Very, very similar. However, Enoch as a book has several editions and we've already covered them. For example, right here, they are beautiful and comely daughters, right? The King James Version says that the Adamite daughters were only fair. Big difference. So, in reality, Enoch tells you part of the reason why. Not only were the Adamite daughters beautiful, but they were also comely. And the angels are considered, according to verse 2 in Enoch 6, to be the sons of heaven. A polite way of saying the sons of God. But it says in Enoch, not sons of God, it says angels. And in Enochian literature, the books of Enoch, the secrets of Enoch, etc., we see that they are interchangeable, just like within our Gospels. It will use the terminology angelos in the Greek, and it will go to just men. So the burden of proof lies on you to understand what an angel is. But here we learn that the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them. They lusted after them. And thus we can deduct, if it grieves Yahweh God to have created man in the earth, then obviously the Adamite daughters lusted in return. They were part of the sins. And so don't underestimate that. This was not rape. This was consensual between the two. For example, verse 3 names the leader. And Semjaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they answered, Who the angels? And said, Let us all swear an oath, and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but do this thing. So, Samjaza, another way of saying Sataniel or Satan, because after all, Lucifer has a dirge barrage of names, just after the same exact manner of Yahshua, who has many 
names as well. But they all answered him. All the other sons of God, here in the book of Enoch, considered to be the children of heaven. Children means they are begotten or created of God. This is also why John, in his epistles, would write to the children of Israel. And throughout the entire Old Testament, they were considered to be children of Israel. John would call them little children. Even now you know it is the end times. So, children of heaven means they were created of Yahweh God, just after the same exact manner as Job, same exact manner as Adam, but not in the same exact manner as Yahshua. Big difference between being a son of God and the only begotten son of God, because the only begotten son of God denotes that Yahshua was the direct progeny of Yahweh God, through sperm through the fertilization of the egg. And of course, we read about that in the Gospels. When the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and she conceives of the Holy Ghost. She conceives of the Holy Ghost. No rape involved, but yet it was consensual, was it not? I want you to understand the parallels between this teaching. Because they are very important. As a book, there is no such thing as Old Testament or New Testament. There is only whole Testament. And even the New Testament confirms that. When we learn, behold, there will come a day when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers. So the new covenant is made with the same exact people of the old. And part of the new covenant, of course, is Yahshua Messiah and his fulfillment of that covenant. His adding to many of the laws that Yahweh God had already codified. But notice, the leader, and for sake of brevity, we'll just use Satan. Satan comes in and says, you know what? I fear, using peer pressure, that I'm going to be the only one that goes through with this rebellion to God. This coming in to the daughters of the Adamites and taking our own wives. Because after all, here in Enoch, it says that the desire of the angels was to beget children. That was their intention. That was their purpose. So why would they say that? Well, Enoch, verse 2 in chapter 6, says that they lusted after the Adamite daughters. Verse 3 confirms that Satan comes in and he says, you know what? Why don't we go and choose wives from among the children of the Adamites and beget us children? That was what was within the sons of God's heart, at least those that fell with Satan. And they all answered and said, let us swear an oath. Very, very risky business right here, swearing an oath. Because that also denotes that they are bound to do it. And the terminology here is bound by mutual imprecations. Meaning that now, if they made this oath to Satan, they would, of course, have to go through with it. And so, verse 5 says, Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all two hundred who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Now, stopping right here, we're going to go through the names here. 
but we are given an important number. There are 200 that fell with Satan. 200, and they, of course, are in chiefs of tens. Each one of the 200 that fell were split into tens, and each one of them had a leader. Therefore, their leader's names are about to be given, and every one of them is an angelic name. Every one of them truly has power. And if you do not believe me when I say to you that there is power in calling upon angels, then you must at least understand that Yahweh God saw fit to forbid its practice in Scripture. I wonder why. Yes, indeed. Now, angels being the messengers of Yahweh God are those that come and often bring you glad tidings. They also bring you a warning. And if you deny angels, you will be deceived at many points within life. Perhaps that's a study for another day, but understand this point. Here in verse 6, we are told exactly where they fell. They fell on Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon stands there today. And we could logically deduct that if Satan is the leader of all Antichrist, at least in a spiritual sense, or the head of all Antichrist, as Yahshua is the head of the Christian body, then logically, when Antichrist touches foot down, it will most likely be here on Mount Hermon. Not only is it called Mount Hermon, it was called Mount Hermon because that was where they descended in the days that they came down and they wanted to take and impregnate the Adamite offspring. But here's a list. Verse 7. And these are the names of their leaders. Semiazaz, their leader, Arikaiba, Ramiel, Kokabiel, Tamiel, Ramiel, Daniel, Ezekiel, Baraquijal, Asiel, Armaros, Batariel, Ananiel, Zakwiel, Samspiel, Satariel, Toriel, Jomjael, Sariel. These are their chiefs of tens. How many were named? Nineteen, including the leader. Thus we can deduct twenty groups of ten. Now the King James isn't going to come out and tell you this. But the book of Enoch does. And I give you this as food for thought, including the angels' names here. Now, there's more angels named in Enochian and Gnostic and Apocryphal literature. But the purpose today is to really look at how Genesis chapter 6 and the book of Enoch chapter 6, how similar they really are in this regard. And this is not happenstance by way of numbering. So, these are their chiefs of tens. What happens? Well, chapter 7, verse 1 in the book of Enoch. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. A minimum of 200 angels coming in with the sole intent of purposely polluting the bloodline that Yahshua had already, at least in the form of Yahweh, spared through Seth, 
meaning replacement, because after all, Cain killed Abel, right? There is a continual attack on the bloodline, and that's the point I want to bring forth. While it is whitewashed in some degrees in Genesis chapter 6, this narrative in the book of Enoch, chapter 6 and 7, is not quite so whitewashed. They went ahead. All the others took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. So notice that even the angels were bound by the original creation of Yahweh God. In the beginning, it was not so, Yahshua answered the Pharisees. My point with this is there's going to be idiots who come in and say, you know what, polygamy is okay, you can have more than one wife. Well, if that's true, Yahshua would have more than one bride. Israel, right? Seems to me that the polygamists are the ones espousing universalism. But they go in and they defile themselves with them. The angels did this premeditatively. They wanted to defile them. And Enoch says no different. Enoch chapter 7 verse 1. They went in and they went to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments. The cutting of roots. And made them acquainted with plants. A polite way of saying botany. Almost everything we know we learn from the angels because Yahweh God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Enoch undoubtedly proves this point and says that every single thing we learned was learned by angels. But understand here, the first thing that the fallen angels taught the daughters and their offspring to do, by extension, was charms and enchantments. The ability to charm and enchant other people. Those are two traits of the snake, dear kinsfolk. They come in and they will charm you. And they will come in and they will enchant you. As if a gypsy. Very important. But they also taught them the cutting of roots. A polite way of saying botany. Pharmacia. Sorcery. Another way of technically getting high. And or healing themselves with herbs. So good or bad, they taught them the cutting of roots. And not only how to cut roots, they made them acquainted with plants. Now, you would think that these fallen angels were doing a great thing right here, right? But remember, it grieved Yahweh God to have created man on the face of the earth. Because they went in willfully, and they did this. So, verse 2. They, the Adamite women, the daughters of Ahadam, they became pregnant, and they bare great giants whose height was 3,000 L's, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. Now, just like in the case of the King James, here in the book of Enoch, chapter 7, when we read giant, we know the word is nephilim. So, replace giant for nephilim. The nephilim turned against man, or ahadam, and devoured them when there was nothing left. Notice, like a devouring locust army who comes in and sucks up the substance. We could just say like an immigrant who comes in and takes what the settlers built. Well, when they consumed all the acquisitions of the Adamites. This is important because it's starting to happen once again. And this foreshadows that this part of biblical history, not might or possibly could, but will repeat itself as per the teaching of Yahshua.
He clearly said, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be, right? At his return, for they were giving and taking in marriage. That's what we're dealing with here in Genesis chapter 6 and Enoch chapter 6 and 7. So, they made them acquainted with plants. They got them pregnant. They were very tall, and we don't know how tall an L is. But the terminology giant is Nephilim. And the first thing that the offspring do is take the acquisitions. Everything that the Adamites had built. Everything that they had set aside. And when the Adamites could no longer sustain the Nephilim, verse 4 says in chapter 7, the giants turned against them and devoured the Adamites. And they began to sin against birds and beasts, reptiles and fish, and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Many years ago, I preached a sermon titled, Tactic of the Lawless Ones, where I proved that another name of Satan and his bastard progeny, known in the New Testament as the tares, are the lawless ones, right? We just covered it here in Book of Enoch, chapter 7. The earth laid accusation, just as the earth cried out when the blood of Abel was spilt upon it. Do you not understand that life is within the blood? And then the giants, or the Nephilim, turned against them. They devoured mankind. They began to sin against birds, beasts, reptiles, fish. Use your imagination. You don't need me to come in and fill in the blanks. What they did was unseemly. And perhaps this is why it repented Yahweh God. That his creation, that was supposed to be better at least, better than this part of heaven that fell, was privy. And part of those sins. So the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Now, in your free time, you could continue reading here in the book of Enoch, beginning in chapter 8. And you'll see exactly what I'm telling you is true. That these particular angels, many of which were name by name, taught men to go to war. They taught them to do evil things. For example, chapter 7, verse 1. And Azaziel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates, and made known to them the metals of the earth, and the art of working them, bracelets and ornaments, etc. So notice how this became a snare unto us. And of course, if you know the narrative, Yahweh God eventually will come in and he will flood them out and he will spare just Noah. But the point with all of this is that one, the sons of God are literal. What we know of them is only found within the canon. But number two, they pre-existed before you and I. They are considered morning stars and they shout with joy. This is what they are created to do. Number three is this. Yahweh God has a heart. You must understand that. His heart can be broken by the sinful acts of not only his angels that rebelled or his sons of God, but also the Adamite men, women, and children who are partakers of that. <laughs> we could just say the wiggers of antiquity. But number four, and probably the most important, and something that we should feel ashamed about when we sin. It grieved Yahweh God to have created man. 
Remember that. When you personally sin against Yahweh's law, it hurts him. Satan, one of those sons of God, one of his names in the New Testament, is the accuser of our brethren. This is why Yahshua is considered to be a mediator, or we could just say a lawyer. He is the one who makes intercession for you, but understand that concept. You think you can sin and get by not with Satan standing right there at the left hand of Yahweh God and bringing to his attention every transgression of the law that you commit. Perhaps I should prove that in a future sermon, but I hope that this look into Enoch and also into Genesis chapter 6 will help you to fully understand who the morning stars or the sons of God are. Because I assure you, they are coming again and they will fall again. And when that happens, we must be prepared. Yeshua taught no different. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia and the Covenant People's Church wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.